a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Thanks to everybody for this season. You know, it's, um, it's appreciated that the adjustments, is that word, there we go, um, that you guys make. Um, and I know whether it's Zoom or travel or getting stuck on the road, um, it's a lot, that, you know, and then even just personally too. I, you know, there's always things that you guys have to ask and do professionally, and that's understood. But it's, um, I, I think I'm appreciative of working with this group and all you guys and what you do and how you uh, handle handle things as professionally as as humanly possible. So, except for you, Dad. <laughs> you didn't ask the first question today. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, I'm making light of some of that, but, but tr- truly, thank you. So, um, having said that, it's, uh, the first question would be, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm yeah. I'm, I had my my right one done previously, so I had a little bit of a of a baseline and. You, we've got such a great medical group and Travis Mack and Dave Petron kind of kept me up and functioning. And then um, Dr. Peters is, you know, at the top of his profession, did the surgery and it's a success at least for now. So now I've got to fight through some rehab, but thanks. Doing good. How is this uh, other than, how has the last week been different than other, you know, last weeks or, you know, digesting how a season You know, every year is different. Um, I think fundamentally the process um, is, is similar. You know, you're, you're looking at different things substantively, um, but the, the, the commonality, you know, I, I think is, you know, your initial reflection some of the emotion, you know, that goes with that, you know, processing just the fact that your season's over when, you know, I really, really believe that 
you know, we just kind of needed a spark and uh, we had a chance to do something special that didn't happen. So there's, you know, a sense of loss, you know, in that sense, um, you know, and then you, you get, I think it's important to get some distance, um, whether it's forced on you, like it was in my case, or you can step away from it to a degree, you know, I, I think that distance and, you know, letting the, the emotion kind of flow through um, and then having an opportunity to be responsive as opposed to reactive. And, you know, that, that process, um, you know, hasn't occurred yet on the level that it will. Um, but the, you know, the initial part of it is, you know, unless you, you're the last team standing, you know, you, you go through some of the same emotions, you know, regardless of um, what the result is other than that one. It's a maybe a little weird this offseason, just knowing you actually it's like a full off season, you know, mm. compared to what it was. It's, how does that kind of play into things? Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's part of it that there's been kind of a new normal. And I think to function at the level that, you know, you wanted to and, and potentially the highest level possible, you know, you had to really embrace whether it be you know, an initial hiatus, the bubble, you know, a shortened off season, a shortened season, you know, you go through. And I think that the, what, what happened a little bit, I think for everyone, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but, you know, the seasons kind of run together a little bit. Um, the breaks were longer than all-star break, but it's kind of that idea that this was almost a one season, three seasons packed into kind of one longer longer period and i think well you i'm sure you guys felt it too there's some fatigue that you're fighting and um you know everybody had that so i think everybody will be appreciative of you know an, an off season where you have more time to um, recharge and you know spend whatever whatever it is you choose to do personally whether it's more time with your family or you know different uh, different interests i think that that's a possibility out there now when the season ended, there was a lot of questions about what was going to happen with your job and mm-hmm. whether you were going to want to stay here. So I guess, can we just address that? What do you want? Yeah, you know, I think, first of all, let me say, you know, I've said this before, but it, it, it's worth saying again, you know, my family's loved it here. And don't judge my tense when I speak. So my family loves it here. How's that? Um, whether it's school, um, the community, um, Salt Lake, the city, you know, the experience has been and, and continues to be a great one. Um, the, I'm privileged, that, you know, to coach a group of players. And I, I'm reminded of that, um, you know, consistently throughout the year. Um, we're all not perfect, but... You know, I'm grateful for that, and you know, I really like our players. Uh, additionally, you know, from an ownership standpoint, you know, appreciate the things you know that Ryan's doing. Um, have great respect for him and his vision for the franchise. Um, and then, you know, working with Justin and Danny's been great. You know, uh, obviously have tremendous respect for them. Uh, so, you know, beyond that, I think I've you know, continue to, to, to maintain that I'm, I'm not going to discuss um, my contractual situation publicly. That's just not something that, um, 
that I'm that I want to do or I'm comfortable doing. When you reflect on what happened this season, and obviously you guys had championship contention goals, why do you think you fell kind of short the way that you did, and you know, what were the kind of biggest gaps between expectations and reality in your mind? Well, I think first of all, I, I think you know having championship level aspirations is something you know we had them the previous year as well um, in, in a real way. Um, expectations you know, lay, you know, put another layer on top of that. Um, you know, we had the best offense in the league. Um, I think the best offense historically with um, either Hassan or Rudy on the floor. Um, we knew last year, you know, the way the season ended. I, I said before, I, you know, I wish we had another game. I wish the, you know, the, that game six had happened earlier in the series. It actually did this year. It happened in game two. Um but, you know, I, I think every year, you know, part of, you know, the offseason process that I alluded to before is, is taking, you know, a long look at that and seeing um, how you can improve, uh, you know, without dissecting the regular season. I think, you know, I was consistent throughout the year saying, you know, we want to be the best version of ourselves at the end of the year. Um, and, you know, in contrast, maybe to what was, well, the best, you know, pure winning percentage in jazz history the year before, but, you know, the, the same feeling of coming up short, um, you know, last year. Um, you know, with this year, uh, I, I can, you know, I, I can go through the, the things in the Dallas series that, um, that I felt, you know, impacted the result. Um, one of them was just our shooting. You know, we're, we shoot 22% in the series. So it's 22 or 27, um, 22 the last three games, um, you know, when they had Luca. So it's uh, that said, there's games you want to grind out when you don't make shots. And we actually did that in game one. So, um, you know, that's a, a broad stroke. You know, I think we, we felt some of the same challenges containing the ball. Um, uh, throughout different parts of the series, but I, I thought our guys adjusted to that well. We dropped our pickup points. We shifted more. Um, we were able to to really limit some things and impact some things where, you know, had we shot the ball better, um, we might have had, or we would have had a, a different result, you know, just based on, you know, the, the QSQ data. And that doesn't do a lot for you right now. So, you know, you try to look at, um, all the other variables, you know, the shots you're getting, you know, what can you do different defensively? Um, you know, the five different pick and roll coverages that we threw out Colbert mm-hmm. didn't impact game two. Um, but I thought it had an impact, you know, the rest of the series. You can go through all the minutiae. And when you do it right now, like I'm doing with you, um, I don't think it's the best way to analyze um you know, that series or the season. I don't think you can necessarily separate out a series because a series, you know, by definition is, is a certain matchup with a particular team. So, which again, that's something you can't control. You know, the year before we um, couldn't control injuries. We didn't have that this year. You know, we were healthy and that, and that was great. You know, that, so in that sense, you know, the opportunity this year didn't have that hurdle. Um, but again, th- those are questions I think, um, 
as you step back and, you know, for me, I'll watch the film. Um, we'll meet with Danny and Justin and um, I've already done some of that with our staff kind of impromptu, um, which is good to the extent that you feel the emotion and some of your, you know, your short-term feelings and then you either debunk them or you find other ones or whatever the case may be. But I think that, that whole thought process is something um, that has yet obviously to occur on the level that it, that it will. And uh, obviously that's important. We, you know, you're not satisfied, you know, you have aspirations to, to be better and win more. And um, that's what we'll try to do. You know, I, I felt like, you know, even you're looking at, were we getting good shots? Um, and I, I think, you know, they, they put a huge emphasis on taking away um, early threes early in the series. I think our, um, you know, we we're, were getting like 33% of our shots from three. You know, as the series went on, we moved up to like 42, 44. So we, we actually did start getting those shots. We just didn't make them. Um, we were getting the rim earlier in the series, and we didn't finish at the rim the way we did during the regular season either. So that, that's always a hard one. Um, it's why, you know, I just used it, you know, it kind of um, as an example with Andy's question, but that, that's always a hard one to, you know, to process, you know, because you, you don't want to just say, hey, we didn't shoot well. You know, you hear that. That's a, sometimes that's a good one during the season to help you get to the next game. You know, it's a make-or-miss league. And then you realize it's actually true. Um, but you, you have to be able to perform and win um, when you're not making. And, but as far as why we didn't, you know, shoot at the rate that we did during the, you always, I mean, I guess you'd expect some drop up, but it's pretty extreme. And at the same time, I think Dallas shot like 7% higher than they do during the other season. So um, I, I don't have a, an answer for you that, that is satisfactory to me. Um, when you look at what your goal was this year and what it has been, what do you guys have to do to, what do you guys have to do just as an organization uh, to, to, to get to what your stated goal is? Which is your last standing? Yeah. I mean, that, that is the goal. And I think, you know, embracing the process of improvement during the season so that you can continue to improve to the extent that you're able during the year. Um, some of the broader questions about roster and things, are, those are things that, you know, are best for um, you to, to ask Danny and Justin. Um, that said, we'll all meet. We'll talk about exactly what um, what you're bringing up, how, how you can be better. And, Again, I think it, you know, it feeds back to, um, you know, the, the question um, previously is that, you know, you want to give that first, you want to kind of give it time to breathe, and then you want to be exhaustive in, in, in how you look at that. I think there's times when, um, you know, again, you, you want to be responsive, I should say, as opposed to reactionary. So um, there's things that, that are easily ascertained uh, more than others. And then you also, you know, you go from identifying something to, to addressing it and solving it. And, um, but the identification process and how you weight certain things, you know, every, every team is going to have some flaws, you know, and how do you 
mitigate those and maximize your strengths. And the best way to go about that, um, that that's going to come through, you know, dialogue and, you know, everybody sharing and, and responding and, and uh, collaborating on, on that question. And I'll give my input, obviously, just like everyone else. Where do you think Donovan still has room to grow as a player? Well, I, I think the first thing I would say is, is Donovan is really, he's a young player. So I think the question itself is a good one. And I think it's one that, um, that he asks himself as well. That, you know, you, at, at his age and this point in his career, you know, it's great that you have areas to improve. You know, um, he's someone that's shot the ball like crazy in the playoffs, you know, and, and didn't shoot it as well this year. But we, we know what a good shooter he is, whether it's off the dribble or catch and shoot. Um, so I'm not right now, you know, going to dissect, you know, basically a player development plan. But that that's actually something that we do Um at the end of the season, and it's something that we do during the year is try to give guys feedback. Um, and certainly, you know, at the end of the year, you have a, a larger sample size and, and you can, you can dig in even more. And, you know, that's dialogue based too. I think, you know, players input on that is really, really important. And I, I think also maybe to, to um, point the question is, you know, how can every player improve, to help the team win, you know, and that that's part of it too, because, you know, there may be 10 areas you want to improve in, but prioritizing them, I think is also, is also important. And, you know, that's what kind of creates a plan for your off season and, and the things that you embrace and work on. Because there are emotions involved, because it's humans, you talk about reactive versus measured response. Mm-hmm. I guess because a lot of things that happen in the season are reactive on the floor, how do you balance that? Do you ever have to meet reaction with reaction? Essentially, yeah. as I'm saying, you have to meet the emotion. Absolutely. You know, particularly, I think the question involves, you know, the season. So that's where the, the response is important um, because you're talking about, you know, hundreds of different inputs. Um, you know, during a given game or, or during a series, um, you know, it requires you to be prepared to react. And I think that's something, frankly, that we're really good at. You know, I mentioned Colbert. Like, you start the game in a pick-and-roll coverage, and, you know, a guy gets hot. You know, how long do you want to live with that shot? Um, you know, you change coverage. You change coverage again. You're going to give something up. Um, then, you know, you begin with a certain coverage in game three, and then you change the other way because he's not, you know, 10 of 12 from three or whatever whatever it was, you know. So, um those reactions are consistent and ongoing. You know, if a player gets in foul trouble, you know, we want to attack Luca. You know, he gets in foul trouble, we want to attack him even more. Um, you want to get to the rim. You know, they're collapsing the paint. You know, let's run a play that allows us to get a second side pick and roll. Um, you know, bogey's post up. You know, we didn't consciously try to stop posting bogey. Um, we did. We just they shifted and double teamed the same way we did to Luca. So Luca stopped posting. Um, you know, so that's something obviously that you can anticipate after a guy has a big night on the post. Um, and you want to, you want to make sure there's, there's two or three different ways they could double team, they could double team off the ball. They could just shift heavy. Um, you know, they could change the matchup. Um, but I, I think you have to be prepared for all those things. 
um, particularly regarding how you space when he has the ball in the post. Um, so some quick examples for you, but, you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I, again, I, I'm, I know that we do that. And it's something that reason I know it is because I know how much we prepare for it. I think the key is what are you reacting to? So that you're able to identify it quickly. And then what's your tipping point? You know, do you, do you want to make someone beat you? You may go into a game and say, you know what, we're going to make Lucas score, you know? And then at what point are you tired of seeing him score? Well, you know, it was game, game four to, you know, we double teamed them at the end of the game. I thought caught him, caught him off guard. You know, we blitzed their pick and roll. Um, how long do you want to continue to blitz him? You know, you watch the Phoenix series and, Watch their Clipper series last year when teams are blitzing him during the whole game. You know, you're going to give something up. You know, you're going to give up a Finney Smith three at 40%. Um, but you shrink your rotations and try to make that easier. Um, and you change game to game. You know, but I think that's to your point. Um, that's the nature of the game, you know, to be able to react like that. And I think in the playoffs, it becomes even, um, more important and more visible because you're playing the same team, you know? So to the extent that, you know, great players will adjust as well. I mean, you can see guys doing this on the floor, changing spacing, you know, you clear out because I want a single side. I can get the lock. And sometimes things you do um, don't work, you know, not because they're tactically not sound. You don't execute them. Well, you know, there's a handoff play that we're supposed to switch. You don't switch it. You know, they score. Does that mean you try not to switch it again? You know, do you want to try it again? So if it's a high-volume play, you better look at it again. But first, you want to see if you can execute something. Um, you know, there's a reason you start in a certain, a certain way. And then again, you know, teams force you to react. And I think the most important thing is your preparation up to that point. You, know, this, you have a menu of things that, that you can do. You know, we can... You know, channel, we can channel black, we can blitz, you know, we can late channel black. Now we've got Rudy on Doncic in the high quarter and he shoots 50% against fives in isolation. You do want to live with that. So you do go double him off the feeder immediately. You try to invert on the backside, you know, and get a different matchup, you know, then they're playing pick and roll to get the matchup they want. So that's really what makes this fun on a lot of levels. And, um, but in contrast, to the previous question, you know, the response portion, um, you know, only is only valid if you have time, you know, and you have a little bit of time between games. Um, we've got an off season right now. So I think it gives us time to really dig in deeper. And come up. Reacting to the emotional ups and downs. <laughs> There were, it seemed like there were a lot. Yeah. December, low January. No, that, that's a, you know, I'm glad you said that because that's probably more impactful. Um, that shows itself on the court with your execution as well. You know, um, when you see a team that is quick to a huddle at a free throw, you know, or is a team dejected, you know, how do you respond to a turnover? That was a big emphasis for us early in the series that if we make a mistake, you know, getting to the next play, not – um, you know, wait till a dead ball to build your case with the referee, you know, all those different things that are emotional responses. And you, you can't have a, a team that plays without emotion. I think emotion can be, you know, 
incredibly valuable. It can provide you resolve and strength. And at the same time, you know, like most things, if you become too emotional, you can lose focus. But, you know, January was, I think one of the key things about emotion is what are you reacting to it? Is it, is it something you can control, you know, or is it something like COVID, you know, and that's obviously, you know, the most current example that, that we all feel, you know, and then, you know, do people get discouraged in a situation where, you know, you need to do your best and, and, um, you know, try to get through, through a period that that's difficult. Um, the same can be said, and you saw it this year at various times when, you know, how do you react emotionally to success? Yeah. And what can you do on that level to keep focus? I think that's the main thing is, you know, can emotion help you focus, focus more? Can you keep focus or does it take away your focus? It can do all. It's Quinn Snyder addressing the media right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'll just ask Coach and Utah Jazz for next season. How does this team get, you know, the, the definition of the NBA champions are the ones that are probably the most matchup proof. How do you guys get matchup proof? You know, how do you get better as a coach, you know, heading into your next season? I mean, what, you know, how do you, how do you move this thing forward individually and collectively as a group? The uh, well, first of all, I, I think it's something that you embrace, you know, and it's something that we try to embrace as a staff. I try to personally um, on specific things like matchups um, from a coaching standpoint. Um, you can try to control them. Sometimes it's difficult to control them. Um, you can put a player in hedge instead of a switching situation, which gives other things up, but I, I would say, you know, we got this year and it's a little counterintuitive. We, we switched a lot of pick and roll with smalls, um, even though it changed matchups because we didn't always feel that there was that big an advantage to a matchup. Now we, we, we ended up putting size on Brunson after the first couple of games, we ended up you know, putting Boyan on uh, Doncic. We didn't do that during the year with Boyan, but we knew that Boyan in a playoff situation was capable of doing that. You know, he did a heck of a job, you know, the year before guarding Kawhi. You know, he's guarded post-up players more, though. And, you know, he'll remind you that he guarded LeBron in the playoffs a few years ago when he was with Indiana. So, um, I think, you know, all those things you can do on a granular level, some of which I described from a coaching standpoint, and then on a more macro level with a team, um, that's, again, embedded you know, in the process that I'm talking about. And um, I think the the more you can kind of have clarity on those things, the better able you are to develop a plan in order to do it. You know, oftentimes you can have goals and then how can you reach them? You know, and that's where competition, you know, competition helps you see that. And whether it's an individual matchup or a team, um, you know, we mentioned the shooting. I'm not sure. We, you know, we take a lot of shots. We actually had a practice where we tried to just and had shooting games. You know, and had fun with it, just to try to have a little more levity. And if that if that was something that we were feeling too much pressure on our shots, we could address. Um, 
but there's all, all kinds of things you can do. I think, you know, trying to be as transparent with yourself um, and with your team as possible is something we had seven things on the board from the beginning of the year that we generated um, both from last season and in Las Vegas that we looked at every day, you know, and I would do a checklist to see if, you know, have we don't forget about this. Don't forget about this. How much time are we spending here going back and analyzing your, you know, we time how much our practices are timed down to like 30 seconds. You know, you start adding up a week and how much time did you spend on a given area running? Um, And then you look at your schedule and say, well, we had about 60 minutes to work on a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Um, So you have limitations from that standpoint too. But I think the prioritization allows you to use your time effectively um, and focus your resources. In this case, time being the one for me, that's, you know, a very important one. So same in my mind, the same process as you go through other things that you need to be able to do to improve. And Conley said after the season, you're a team that's built on unity and at times you've lost that. Do you agree with that? And to what extent? And then how do you address that issue of unity? Well, I, I don't know if unity would be the word that, that I think every team wants to have unity, you know, and that connectedness that you can see manifest itself in, in so many different ways. You know, um, there's a number of values for lack of a better word for me that I hold at a really high level and, and want to see demonstrated by our team on the court. I think that's the best indicator of how much you believe something is how you, how you live it, how you play. Um, you know, unity and, you know, connectedness is always challenged. You know, it's challenged by an opponent. Um, it's challenged during the course of a game um, with adversity amongst a group. And I don't think there's a formulaic way to approach that. There, there, there's indicators, you know, and when Mike says for us, when our guys say that, you know, you lost that, um, there's, there's some specific things that, that they're probably referring to. Um, whether it be ball movement, um, you know, to me, running back on defense is probably the biggest one. You know, if you spend a lot of time talking about running back on defense, you're probably not as focused as you need to be because that's something that everybody can do. Now, there's there's ways to do it. It's better to have Rudy back there, um, but that means he's not offensive rebounding. <laughs> so, um, as far as addressing, I, I think we've been. You know, when, when one of the things I'm proud of and proud of our program is when you say jazz basketball, I mean, I think you, you guys have heard that. You, you have a sense of what that means. You know, I don't know if you can say that about, you know, every team in the league. You know, so when, when you say that, you know, and it means something, that means you've built that and you have it. Um, and whether it's a question of emphasis or through experience, you know, you stray from something that – that is your identity and that does unify you, you have to continue to try to get back to it. And, you know, that happens for players individually. You know, it happens in, in a game. Um, and as I said, I don't think there's a formula there. Um, those, those are things that you watch on tape, that you show guys individually, that you show collectively so guys can can feel, feel it as a group. Um, 
and approach it that way. Yeah, on the lines, on the lines <laughs> building that identity of jazz basketball, when you, you know, we've talked multiple times before about kind of the illusory nature of continuity, but when you've had kind of multiple seasons that end in, you know, before you want them to, mm-hmm. how do you kind of evaluate how much continuity is good versus how much change is is necessary, both in terms of roster construction and in terms of what you do on a day-to-day basis? Well, just speaking for what we do, you know, there's probably, I would challenge you to find a team that in a span of a decade led the league in defense and then led the league in offense over, you know, however many years separated. So I think from a coaching standpoint and a personnel standpoint on the floor, um, you, you weigh that continuity where you, you have something that you emphasize and you do well and you want to do even better um, versus has your personnel changed in a way um, that requires you, you know, did you sign Boyan and, you know, trade fave <laughs> that, that changes your team, you know, a lot. And that's not continuity. Um, that's change. So I think adapting to change, um, I think you're getting at some of the discussion that, that um, I've referenced is, you know, happens throughout the course of the summer with a larger group, you know, at the roster, you know, again, I defer more to, to Dennis and Danny. Uh, although, you know, I'm the one as a coach that, that ultimately is, you know, tasked with, with maximizing the roster. And so, you know, I think, again, there's a sweet spot there. Um, you know, how different player, how different players, you know, connect with one another, um, maximizing that. Um, but it, it's a, it's a great, it's a great question. You know, I mean, you, you we all know that over time that, that, you know, it's hard to sustain a certain level for a certain um, individual or combination of individuals. That said, you know, if you're at, a, how high is that level? That's a really high level. You know, I think that continuity be, becomes a real asset. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a really good and difficult question to answer because it's so nuanced and there's so many variables um, that go into it. I think it also goes to kind of how you define success. Um, you know, there was a sense that our season this year, the regular season, and I think it's true. I mean, the contrast between the previous year, I think we maxed our team out during the regular season, you know, on a lot of levels. And that said, we were left at the end of the year feeling a certain way. You know, this year I thought um, that our record didn't necessarily reflect what we could do in the playoffs. I felt like we were this close to just having the spark and kicking it in and finding that, that unity, whatever it was, that, that kind of extra secret sauce and taking off. Um, and obviously that, that didn't happen. So um, I, I think part of it is what you're looking at and um, balancing, you know, we've been to six straight playoffs. You know, I've, I've heard this when people try to say, Hey, you know, hang in there, Quinn, how you doing? You know, you've won the third most amount of games in the league in the last five years. Um, but no, you know, I'm not hanging my hat on that. You know, we want to do more. We want more. 
you know? So, um, you know, again, what things can you control and how much do they impact? Um, and then how do you approach um, the roster that you do have? You know, do you try to do things differently far how, as far as how you play? We kind of discovered that, you know, three years ago. When we, ironically, Boyan was out. So there was like this, this urgency to shoot more threes. And, you know, we're that much better. You look at our record when we, you know, X percentage of our shots from three, it's not even close. So when they're not going in and everybody wants us to do something else, the games we do something else, we don't do so good. So, but, you know, can you supplement that? That doesn't mean that you can't do other things, you know? So, uh, you know, when people take away your threes, you know, how do you respond to that? So, you know, again, I, I think it's a, it's a complex question and the overarching, I think, thin red line that goes through my answer is that, you know, you're not satisfied and no one's satisfied. The fans aren't satisfied. Um, reach a point where you want more. And that's, and that's this, that's the nature of sport. You know, that's competition. So try to do that. What direction is more? What direction is the NBA heading in as far as some of these trends, and what do you need to add to like keep up with the metonymy of jazz basketball? Like, what does that need to mean to be able to improve? And stuff like that? I think when we say talk about jazz basketball, um, you know, early on, you know, it, it it kind of evolved. You know, early on, it was stingy defense um, because we were going to have to, you know grind out wins a certain way. And, but even during that time where we weren't as good offensively, you know, we really moved the ball and we're a multiple action team, you know, so there was more, our passing numbers were, were higher. Um, you know, as, you know, at least in my tenure here, the, the, the concept of jazz basketball, you know, I think was ball movement, man movement. Um, when you get, really, really effective shooting, you don't necessarily want Boyan cutting all the time, you know. Um, that said, um, one pass might end up with an open open shot. So you have to be able to take what the defense gives, adjust to a team, and that unselfishness to me, um, you know, is, is – you can be unselfish – by passing the ball ahead to a guy in the corner and having him shoot, you know, it doesn't look the same as driving, kick, driving, kick, driving, kick. Um, you know, I, I would contend that sometimes, you know, you have to play to your strengths, I guess is what I'm saying. And I don't think it necessitates um, certain things that you can objectively quantify all the time. I think that those are clearly, you know, good markers for you and indicators as far as what the league is doing. Um, the league is usually doing what the best team does when they win. So pace and space, you know, a few years ago, and I don't know when did the Warriors win their first title? You know, everybody, I know for myself, let's play with pace. And I got here and we were playing slow and we were really bad. And I was like, I don't know, why are we playing with pace? You know, we're not the Warriors. So you try to maximize what you have. And, you know, Dallas plays slow. Um, they try to play fast when Doncic was out of the game. They played much faster against us then. Um, 
it's probably a good thing for them to have the ball in his hands if that means playing at a slower pace. Um, so I think you see, you know, Phoenix plays big. You know, they play. We play with the center. You know, like if a team that has a center wins, we'll probably tilt and say, "Well, you can win with the center." You know, for the longest time, how can you win small? Punish you small. You know, and, you know, it's harder to. It's harder to handle. It's easier to handle double teams on the post. You know, isolation. You know, there was a point when no one liked isolation. Too much isolation. And now we look at isolation and say, you know, when you involve multiple guys in a play, it's easier to defend. Defenses can 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 do things to you, you know. Um, so is that a trend? It, it goes back to me to, you know, what the what what, what does Steph Curry do to maximize you know, his impact. It's different than what Kevin Durant does, you know, and I think each team is different too, but I think you can fall into a little bit of um, looking at another team and saying, we're going to do that. If that's not what you're good at. Now that said, if you think you need to do that to win, either try to get better at, it, you know, one way or the other. And, I think that's where it's important to have a pulse in the league um, because they say that about Golden State. You can say the same thing, you know, about you know, Detroit, you know, the, you know, either team, the old bad boys team go that far back. The league, the, the, the rules change. So that's an easy one, right? Once the rules changed, everybody started to adjust. Um, but there, there's a, you know, there's a sweet spot there where I think you're balancing what your team can do. Um, with new ideas, you know, and I think that adaptation is really important. You know, we did that kind of work together, right? We, we, we got smaller, we added shooting, we weren't as good defensively, tried to maximize this. You know, now do you tilt back the other way, say we need more of this, you know, where, where is that line? Um, and I think that, again, is something that requires a lot of focus and, you know, and then, having an opportunity to kind of map it out and see what it looks like. You know, Daniel House did a great job for us coming in as a perimeter defender. Um, and there's, are there limited minutes, you know, if Joe's not hurt and here, you know, how does that impact your ability to get guys on the floor? So there's a lot of things that, that go into it. What happened with Rudy Gay this season? Just overall. You know, I think, first of all, you know, the first part of the season, he, he, was, he was injured, you know, and, and that um, his injury, the rehabilitation process, return to play took longer than I think he expected and that we did. So he didn't begin to play until, you know, mid-November, Thanksgiving time. Um, and then there's a process of, you know, if you haven't played in a long period of time, you're, you're getting reacclimated. And, you know, we, we talked before the all-star break, um, you know, about really, cause he was fighting, he was fighting a knee and his foot, like just say, hey, let's get you healthy. Um, because I know there's going to be, you know, opportunities where you're going to be able to help us. And I think, um, you know, and, and then when he did come back, you know, Wancho, Wancho surfaced, you know, and I think, um, the things that Wancho did for us in that second group, that was basically the role that, that Rudy was playing in, you know, earlier in the year. Um, and Wancho was really effective, you know, and, you know, my discussion and dialogue with Rudy is, 
you know, is going to be matchup oriented. I mean, you saw the games that he really played and contributed at the end of the year, you know, the Clippers with matchups with Morris, it was Memphis, you know, and then you go into the playoffs and you have a, a very different matchup. So, um, you know, I think all of that becomes circumstantial. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.